Hello and welcome back to the Model Shop Podcast. My name is Theo and I'll be your host as we explore the early days of Walt Disney Imagineering. We'll get to know some incredible people, experience extinct attractions, and always be on the lookout for some extra pixie dust. Today's episode is going to be about yet another person who was influential in shaping the Disney parks, but it will probably surprise you that I'm talking about someone whose work most people are already quite familiar with from outside the Disney parks. He wrote some of the most impactful science fiction and dystopian novels of the 20th century, including Fahrenheit 451 and The Martian Chronicles. Yes, I'm talking about the author Ray Bradbury, one of Walt Disney's closest friends. To some, it would have seemed that their friendship would be unlikely. People often accuse Disney parks of creating the future that Bradbury wrote about in his nightmarish visions. But Bradbury and Disney both saw deeper. They both understood what it was that they had in common and how important one another's... Their deep friendship started one December day in a very poetic fashion, as Ray Bradbury, who was already an avid Disney fan, spotted a man walking down a Beverly Hills street carrying a tower of wrapped Christmas presents. Instantly, he always said, he knew that it was Walt Disney. Bradbury introduced himself nervously, and before he knew it, the two had a lunch date for the very next day. Bradbury, who was very fond of telling this story, always loved to emphasize that when he asked Walt if they could have lunch, Walt offered tomorrow, when most people making lunch plans wouldn't make them so quickly. But of course, Walt Disney wasn't most people, and Bradbury thought that was beautiful. At that lunch date, Bradbury was warned by Walt's secretary that he didn't have much time that day. Only one hour, exactly. But after the two men talked and ate, just before it was time for Bradbury to leave, Walt excitedly demanded that he stayed to see some of the projects that he was currently working on. He showed Bradbury an early prototype of the People Mover, which he described as incredible, of Pirates of the Caribbean, and of other now-beloved Disney attractions. They were more than two hours late when they returned and finally said goodbye. And this little anecdote shows the childlike glee, the incredible passion with which Walt Disney lived his life. He was enamored with every opportunity that arose for him and he wanted nothing more than to share that with others. Bradbury didn't just admire Walt Disney. He also had a deep and abiding love and respect for his creations, especially Disneyland. To this day, Disney parks are often accused of being shallow, heartless places, existing only to make some shallow, heartless company more money. Ray Bradbury knew better. He defended Disneyland in numerous essays and letters, the most famous of which being written in an issue of the Holiday Magazine. He wrote, as he usually did, about the future. About the potential of audio animatronics to engage young people in their pasts, to therefore inspire a better future. He recognized that there was fear associated with this power, but he trusted it in the hands of his friend Walt. He also wrote about joy, eloquently ripping apart accusations that Disneyland was just like the worst of Las Vegas, bright lights stealing money, forced smiles. In Disneyland, he explained, people are happy, truly happy, because everything around them liberates them to remember what that felt like. It liberates them to rediscover how wonderful it can be to live, how wonderful it is to be human. He wrote, Disneyland causes you to care all over again. You feel it is that first day in the spring of that special year when you first discovered you were really alive. 
Though Walt wouldn't let his friend work directly on the reimagining of Tomorrowland or any other project, saying that the two, both being geniuses, would ruin their friendship if they ever tried to work together, Bradbury provided his ideas and insights on a variety of Disney projects in other ways. At first, he did so casually over lunch with Walt, and was compensated through free reign on the Disney archives, a kind of payment that I would absolutely accept. After Walt's passing, Bradbury adopted a more official role in new projects for the company, specifically in Epcot and Disneyland Paris. His largest involvement was for the Epcot attraction Spaceship Earth, a celebration of Walt's fascination with and excitement about the expansive future that lay ahead. Bradbury wrote a full introduction and script for this attraction, and though it was deemed far too poetic, Imagineers relied heavily not only on the direct ideas in his original script, but also on the main lesson that Bradbury hoped to convey through the attraction. As he wrote at the end of his very long concept script, the world lies waiting, the buried truths wish to be found. You find them with your mind, you shape them with your hands, you be the future that must know and love and change itself. At first glance, Spaceship Earth could be mistaken for a filler attraction, an AC break at best and downright boring at worst. But in reality, it is a beautiful tribute to a wonderful friendship and to a mutual understanding between a magic maker and a dystopian writer about the necessity of joy, of dreams, of make-believe in creating a more beautiful tomorrow. Spaceship Earth, from its earliest conceptual iteration to the one that stands in Epcot today, demonstrates a perspective that brought Bradbury and Disney together. They weren't optimists or pessimists, but were, as Bradbury described it, optimal behaviorists. This meant that he believed that they and everyone else could ensure a positive future only by doing it. And Walt Disney did just that. He did it in the People Mover and the Monorail, in audio animatronics, and in his great plans for a city that worked better. An experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Epcot. And Spaceship Earth not only celebrates that spirit in Walt and Bradbury, but also encourages it in others. The future, it now says, is an adventure that we'll take and make together. Bradbury's service to the Walt Disney Company was honored in 2007, though not in a way that Imagineers typically are. No, Bradbury doesn't have a window on Main Street, but he rather has a tree. It sits in Frontierland and is decorated each and every autumn, being called the Halloween tree named after Bradbury's novel. So that is the story of the friendship and mutual admiration between Walt Disney and Ray Bradbury, and it's one that sheds lights on the true importance of Disney parks that can sometimes get lost, if not to the company, then to plenty of people outside of it. The parks exist to inspire, to convince people that, as Bradbury explained, what Disney is doing is showing the world that there are alternative ways to do things that can make us all happy. If we can borrow some of the concepts of Disneyland and Disney World and Epcot, then indeed the world can be a better place. Every time you leave a park, Walt Disney is begging you to take something magical, something you saw, something you heard, something you felt, and see if you can't make the outside world just a little bit more like that. I think that sentiment, that challenge, certainly counts as pixie dust for today, 
So now it's time for you to go out there and find your own great, big, beautiful tomorrows with the promise that Disney, the parks, the man, and the community will be waiting for you whenever you need a bit more inspiration. I will see you all real soon.